Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. So today's guest is someone that I am so happy to have on the podcast, and I am really looking forward to all hearing from her. Nora McInerney is an author, podcast host, and co-founder of the Hot Young Widows Club, a platform that provides comfort and support to anyone who has lost a significant other. In her early 30s, Nora endured simultaneous losses, having lost her father, husband, and pregnancy within six weeks of one another. Since then, Nora has remarried and has built a career on breaking down the stigma surrounding grief and providing a community for individuals dealing with loss. Death and loss are things that many of us are experiencing right now due to COVID-19. Whether you've lost someone directly to the virus, or you've lost a business, or even losing out on a life event, a wedding, a graduation, a birth, the past year has been a very difficult one. I was personally interested to hear what advice Nora has for individuals dealing with grief and pain right now, and I hope that you find this episode impactful because I definitely did. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. So Nora McInerney, you are the author of It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, Bad Moms the Novel and No Happy Endings. You're the creator of the Hot Young Widows Club and you're the host of the amazing podcast, Terrible Thanks for Asking. So thank you so much for coming on. What a pleasure. What a pleasure to end my work day uh, talking to a grown-up. I love it. <laughs> love that. I love ending the day in conversation. I really do. Just like having a long, meaningful conversation. And, um, you know, I feel like you're going to have a lot to bring to the table. Uh, I was very much inspired to have this conversation with you after hearing um, episodes of your own podcast and then even just conversations, your TED Talk, um, you specialize in talking about grief and hardship. And I feel like in 2020, with this pandemic, there's certainly a lot of that going on. So if you would introduce people to, I guess, your story, who you are, and your experience and relationship with grief. Yeah, I am Nora McNerney. I am a remarried widow. My first husband, Aaron, died six years ago. He died in 2014. He was 35 years old. I was 31 years old. We had a toddler together and Aaron had been sick for three years of our four-year relationship. And right before he died, my dad died six weeks before. Um, My dad had gotten sick uh, very, very, very quickly of cancer, died very quickly of cancer. And a week before my dad died, I lost my second pregnancy. I was, I was, I was pregnant again, a, an absolute miracle. I I think the magical thinking in me was that another baby would help keep Aaron alive Mm -hmm. and it did not work. None of it worked. Nothing worked. So 2014 was my personal 2020 for a lot of people. 2020 is the hardest thing they've ever faced. And for some people, 
it's just another crappy year. (laughs) And I kind of fall into that second category. And um, before all of this happened, I was a a person with a regular job. I worked in, in marketing and advertising. I was not particularly good at it. I will say that. I always loved to write, always wanted to be a writer. I um, ended up writing my first book six months after Aaron died. Um, and from there had an idea for a podcast that I started called terrible. Thanks for asking. I just had a very, very quick realization that I was not special, that the things that I was experiencing, which I thought completely set me apart from the rest of the world were really just the things that made me a part of the world. And Mm -hmm that, uh, that, that other people had other stories to tell. And there was very, um, it, it, there was value in staying with all of this discomfort that was so new to me and in sitting with other people's discomfort too. So that is six years later, the work that I am still doing. I've written four books. Three of them are sad. One of them is just funny. <laughs> Even the sad ones are pretty funny. And I, I have this podcast and I have uh, a company called Still Kickin' and we exist to help people through the hard things in life. And we do, um, we do events and education and we do community and we do retail and encouragement and we provide grants for people who are going through hard things. So that is, that is me six years later, mm-hmm. um, which is not to say that it doesn't suck anymore. It's just, it feels different than it did before. Right. Well, I mean, you've certainly been so successful in, I guess, bringing this conversation to light. Um, you know, talking about these topics, you, like you mentioned, you have your podcast, you have a platform online and books that you've written. I think with grief, it's very much a universal thing. You know, I think you actually, I was rewatching your Ted talk recently that you did and you had mentioned that like, you know, everyone is going to die at some point. It's something we're all going to cope with eventually. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow, but we're going to be going through it. Yeah, absolutely. It's somehow the most common human experience and one of the most isolating human experiences all in one. Right. And you know, you're very open about loss and you're very clear in saying that tragedy, it's not some sort of exclusive club. You know, everybody goes through it in one way or another. But when you experienced those losses in your life, did you feel as if, you know, tragedy was something and grief was something exclusive? Oh, of course. It feels like you are the only person going through it. And it is the, it is truly the least exclusive club in the world. <laughs> everyone, everyone joins. It's, you know, it's really just nothing special, except that of course it is because the grief that you experience is 100% your own, 100% your own. Um, and I think the the example of that most recently for me is that it was just Aaron's sixth death anniversary, six years. It's always the same day every year, November 25th. Mm-hmm. And November 25th came this year, and I did not hear from my siblings or my mom. Not a word, mm-hmm. nothing, not a message, nothing. And I sent them all. I fired up the group chat, right? 
-hmm. fired up the group chat because what I was feeling was exactly how I felt right in the beginning, which is, um, it's just me. It's just me in this experience. And for a long time, I, I had let that isolate me, but six years in, I, I was not going to let that happen. And I messaged all of them and I said, I know you love me. I know that to be a fact. And this is exactly how I need you to love me. I need to hear from you on this day. So put it in your calendar because next year on November 25th, by 9 a.m., I'm going to get a call or a text or a card in the mail. I'm going to have this feeling acknowledged. And it is very easy to interpret the behavior of others as a personal issue, personal attack. It's not. It's not. My siblings and I were raised in the exact same house by the exact same parents. We share, you know, uh, the same, the same genetic material. Mm -hmm. And yet we all are experiencing the loss of this same person differently because he was just my husband. He was their brother-in-law. And my brothers told me, um, it would make us sad to hear from somebody on this day. It would make me sad to hear, uh, to hear from you. So I was loving you the way I wanted to be loved not the way that you wanted to, I'm sorry. And also I assumed that you were grieving the way that I am. And isn't that the way that we experience most of life? Assuming other people are experiencing it the same way we are when it is very much untrue. Right. Well, I think that was a lesson I learned at a young age, I guess you can say, because when I was, I was an early teenager, I I think it was about 13 when my grandfather passed away, my mother's father. And for me, I guess that was the first significant loss in my life. I was really raised with my grandparents in my life. And my mom had, you know, said to me a couple months after he had passed, and it was something I really, you know, took in and I look back on now when I lose a loved one. And she told me that the hardest thing about loss, because for her, a loss, you know, a loss of a parent, that was a huge loss for her. And Mm -hmm. she said, the hardest thing that I've learned throughout this process is that with grief, you sort of just have to go on and accept the fact that your world could be crumbling right in front of you, but everybody else is going on about their lives, you know, as if it's just a regular day. And that really stuck with me. And it still sticks with me now because, you know, I've lost people in my life since. And, you know, you do feel that way. It's just a a battle. Like you said, it's an individual thing. Everybody has their own, I guess, relationship with it. You know, everybody has their own relationship with the person that's been lost. Um, and I, I think another thing is too, you know, and you talk about this as well, is that grief doesn't, and, and loss doesn't always have to be a, for a person. It could be, right. you know, a thing. It doesn't have to be a death. It doesn't right. have to be a death. Right. And oftentimes it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. Yeah. yeah. Oftentimes it's, it's, uh, it's a relationship. It's an experience. It's, I, I, there's this need that we have to sort of compare our, experience against another person's. And I know that I, I, I've been on the receiving end of this and I've also been on, on the, uh, the, the, the giving end of this too, of saying like, Oh, well, Oh, you know, I, I don't want to share this with you because like what you went through is so much worse, right? Well, you know, what you went through is so much different and, um, and, and, and unknowable to me. And that doesn't mean that 
these things can't bring us together. I found incredible connection in these feelings, but not when um, I come from a place of, of comparison or a place of competition. You're one Yes, of course. Everybody wants there to be a grief Olympics, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, well, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Your dog died. Well, guess what? So did my husband. Well, you know, I, I, I've not experienced your loss and you have not experienced mine. They don't have to compare. They are completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just, you know, loving my, my sister through a divorce, I've never been divorced. So, you know, I've, I've right. never done that. And also she's never done that. That was her first time too. So, um, it is, it is, it is absolutely individual. And also we need people to get us through it. We need people to get us through it. And part of that is just, you know, learning over and over again, the humility of not knowing what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, right now, especially this pandemic, there has been just a lot of tragedy, right? whether it's the deaths that have been related to COVID or my gosh, you look at businesses, it's breaking my heart right now with the second wave of cases. I don't know if it's even the second wave or if it's still sort of the first wave, but you have businesses, right. (laughs) You have businesses closing down again. And, you know, me living in New York and seeing so many local restaurants that I love You know, one of my favorite cafes just posted on Instagram over the weekend that they're temporarily closing and they don't even know if like they're saying temporarily, but it could be forever. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's massive businesses, jobs. There's been so many layoffs. It's been a really tough time. I guess what advice would you give to anyone trying to cope with like a loss right now? I think that we have this, um, knee jerk reactions, very American for us to immediately find a bright side for us to want to shine it up and, and, and give us a purpose. And I do think that will come eventually, eventually things will have meaning for you. Eventually you will be able to, to, to shift your perspective, but where you are is also a perspective. Where you are is an absolutely, however you feel right now, is a hundred percent, um, a hundred percent real, a hundred percent valid. And there's no rushing through that. Like there's no trying to, and, and, and I know this because I tried to do that. I tried to be immediately okay. And not only for the sake of other people, because you know that being pitied feels so gross and so bad. But also for my own sake, because it felt too hot to touch. It felt too much to experience at once. So I thought, like, I'll just, you know, I'll just feel something else. I'll feel distraction. I will feel anxiety. I will feel, you know, compulsion. But I will not, I will not feel how, how hard this is. I will try to wrap it up and make it shiny and power through it. And eventually, you'll feel it. You cannot mm-hmm. run from it forever. So... I, I, and I'm, I'm, it's actually kind of a good day for me to have this conversation with you, Catherine, (laughs) because I I spent my morning, um, talking with a Holocaust survivor Wow. and, uh, and, and the things that she was saying are, are things that I have, I have felt myself and things that I've, 
you know, tried to relay through my own work, which is just that, you know, it's, uh, of, of course it's hard. And also it is temporary. Mm-hmm. Everything is temporary. And so if you think back on a time when you were blissfully happy, when life could not have been better, that was also temporary. Right. Everything is. So how it feels now is real and how it feels right now is not how it will always feel. It will not always feel like this. And that's for a good day or a bad day. Not, and, and I hope not in a, in a, in a depressing or nihilistic <laughs> way, but just knowing that, that, that the things we go through, they do, they do change us. They do change us, not always permanently, sometimes only temporarily. And that, that is the process of being alive is that Mm -hmm. we experience pain and we experience, you know, great, great difficulty. And there is no going around that. There is not a single person in your life or in your Instagram feed, nobody that you think is so shiny, so perfect, has it all, who will not suffer in, in this world, who will not struggle in this world. And I am, I am also a, a, I'm a deep feeler. It is very, very hard to witness all of the suffering that is going on in, mm-hmm. in the world right now. And also when it's not our suffering, I think we do have a duty to witness it. I think we have a duty to say to, to people, this is as bad as you think it is. Right. And, and I'm here and I'll do what I can. I will, I will not over, I will under promise and over deliver, but the very least that I can do is see it the very least that I can do is not try to, you know, pep you up and, and give you a pep talk, but to sit with you and say, no, it's, it's really bad. It's really bad that the restaurant that you've been working at for 30 years closed that it's awful. And I'm so sorry. It's even, I have a second grader. My second grader wants to go to school and, mm-hmm. and make a friend. He wants that so badly. And I'm not going to look into his eyes and say, you know what, bud, some, some people have real problems. Okay. People are <laughs> People are dying here, Kim. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, yeah, buddy, that stinks. I'm so sorry. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, your second grade year is really weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, that's something, yeah, I've tried to tell myself that because at the beginning, um, you know, I kept saying, oh, my pandemic problems aren't that important. Like, I, I can't really complain. And it's like, yes, you know, I luckily am, am healthy, right? I, my problems aren't as big as others, but that doesn't mean they're not still problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it's frustrating. It's funny. I was just having a conversation with a friend and I guess um, an issue we were dealing with was that, you know, we've been really trying to take all the precautions with this pandemic. We've been quarantining, staying inside, doing, you know, everything we've been told we're supposed to do. And you can go online and see, you know, other friends of yours that are doing the complete opposite and living their lives. And they look like they're having so much fun. And it's sort of like a loss of a loss of fun, if you will. Um, And I've been telling myself, you know what, everybody, despite what you may think, everybody is going through their own problems and social media. I've been trying to tell myself, don't, you can't base reality off of what you see on social media. Right. Cause oh God, it's no. no, that's such a good recipe for unhappiness. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I've been trying to tell myself like, 
my my problems are problems <laughs> and not to to hush those or to quiet them um to acknowledge that they're problems they might not be you know the biggest issues of the world out there and i might not deserve to constantly complain about them all the time but they're still problems and we should talk about them right yeah what do you what do you get out of sort of uh denying them or pretending that they don't exist mm-hmm like, do exactly. you get a do you get an award? Yeah, right. It's I, I feel like as a society, maybe I don't know. Is that a big statement to make? But I feel like at times, like we do when it comes to our problems, we internalize them. We don't like to talk about them, and we just assume, oh, they're they're not that important. They don't <laughs> they can't measure up to somebody else's. Um, yeah. But like you said earlier, it's like why? Yeah, why completely can't... different systems? Right, you know? <laughs> like. Exactly. Uh, like they're just, they're such a knowable, unknowable, um, uh, just, uh, I, I, I don't have the, I don't have any math vocabulary. I was trying to say something, something I, you know, it shows when I try to talk about things I don't know about. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so there we go. Um, but of course, mm-hmm. of course they, yeah. they, of course they don't, they don't measure because you literally couldn't in a million years. Right. Yeah, it's it's just something that, you know, you, you gotta sort of deal with and acknowledge and acknowledge the fact that like you had brought up in the beginning, we can't be comparing our grief. <laughs> it's everybody has their own relationship with it. And I think in this pandemic, we need to really acknowledge that everybody's struggling in their own way, you know, and just be a little bit more kinder <laughs> with one another because of it. And with yourself too, you know, just, just giving yourself a, a, a break. Everybody that I talk to, including myself is like, Oh God, I don't know. I'm so out of it lately. Oh, sorry. I just like, can't get it. You know why? Cause this isn't, you are living through a a, a civil rights crisis, uh, (laughs) like a, um, a, 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 like a, a political slash constitutional uh, crisis, the worst presidency we've ever seen. And that's saying something, uh, and a global pandemic, like, yes, you are going to be late on emails. Yes. You are going to have a hard time focusing in meetings. Yeah. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be a little bit behind on your text messages and that's okay. Like right away, what I saw in my, in my feed and I cleaned up my Instagram feed real quick in March was people trying to turn you know, this time into a self-improvement exercise. Like, you know, it's, it is okay for things just to be bad for mm-hmm. a while. It, the, the, the route to self, uh, self, uh, self-improvement and self-actualization isn't, oh, bad thing happened. How can I dress it up as a good thing? Like you gotta go through it first. And none of us have been in this long enough for us to say like, mm, God, finally, you know, finally, uh, I'd really worked out all, all of my issues. And by the way, trying to like lose, lose 10 pounds or write a screenplay or whatever crazy goal that, right. that people set for themselves at the beginning of, again, a global pandemic has nothing to do with your value as a person and are also hard things to do in a regular year, mm-hmm. let alone a year like this. It's just, um, I don't know that, that whole, that whole sort of, you know, attitude is really, is really, really harmful to your sense of self and to your sense of self-worth. And I would just love to see more women, especially just completely unsubscribing from it. 
Right. Yeah. I it's really, hard to do because it's everywhere. Yeah. I know. It's, I feel like at times we're in such a busy, busy society, you know, we're constantly moving. And I think with the extra time on our hands in this pandemic, it is great to work on other things, but it doesn't mean you have to. And it doesn't mean because so-and-so is doing it, like you have to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to. And also it might not be great for you. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it might not be. It might like more is not always better. Like more is not always better. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, with that said, so how are you and your family? You have four children um, and your husband. How are you guys coping with everything going on right now? Not well. I mean, you know, we just not well, not well. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard uh, to have. um, It's it's hard on everybody's mental health. It's hard to be uh, to, to try to manage your mental health in America. Good luck. And we are people who have like, you know, a decent amount of privilege and a decent income and still terrible insurance, awful insurance and are paying, you know, out of pocket for every zoom therapy session. And (laughs) I think that as a culture, we have no idea how this is affecting or going to affect our kids long-term. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as, as easy as it would be to say like, Oh, you know, I talked to a Holocaust survivor today and, and guess what? Like she's not crying over prom. She did cry over prom. Okay. <laughs> she did cry over prom. She never got to go to a dance. And, oh. and, and that is what she, she's, you know, among other things sad about, like you are allowed to be sad about the things that did not happen that mm-hmm. you were hoping for. Like that is absolutely normal. If you're 19, if you're nine, if you're 39, 59, 99, like, these are, these are normal reactions that we're having, but yeah, we've been, we've been living in close quarters for, you know, uh, 10 months now and we are not doing the best. <laughs> we've been better. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said though, these are normal reactions for an unnormal situation. And mm-hmm. I think it's just something you know, as we continue on and power through it, we just got to, you know, handle it in our own way and acknowledge the fact that there's no right or wrong way to go about it because we've never really gone through something like this before. And neither has anybody, you know, which isn't that so comforting to just look around at all the people you admire and be like, wow, bunch of amateurs, all of us, that person doesn't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. My mom doesn't know how to do this. Like all of us are just a bunch of dummies. It's so freeing. Oh yeah, totally. Well, so Nora, if people want to learn more about you and your journey and sort of get more advice, more pandemic advice and how to cope with it, where can people find you then? I don't know if I'm giving out pandemic advice, but you can find my podcast, Terrible Thanks for Asking, wherever you're listening to this podcast. We just talk about hard things with heart and humor. Uh, you can find uh, my business and nonprofit at stillkickin.co. And I am on Instagram at Nora Borealis. Amazing. Yes, you're, <laughs> love your social media right now. I encourage everybody to go check it out. And of course, I'll be <laughs> leaving you. links for everything in the episode description. Um, But, you know, I like to conclude, Nora, by asking what's a piece of advice or a lesson you've learned um, 
through your experiences with grief, through your experiences, whether it be launching your platforms as an author, as a podcast host, what's advice or a lesson you've learned that's really helped you handle your life? Oh God. I mean, uh, what I've been writing over and over in my journals is like, it is all a gray area. And I am a person who loves a black and white. I love a binary. I love to know what's right and wrong. Love to know who's right and wrong. <laughs> um, and it is all so gray. It's all gray. Um, and I don't know if it's career advice or grief advice, but I think it's just general life advice is that um, it is all gray, including you, including you. I love that. Yeah. I feel like that's good career advice and life advice, actually. <laughs> Well, Nora, thank you so much for coming on. I am so, you know, glad we have had this conversation and discussing all of this, you know, with everything going on in the pandemic. I think it's really important for people to acknowledge their losses and their pain and suffering right now. And um, I encourage, yeah, everybody to seek out help if they need it, find resources if they need it. And yeah, talking about it definitely makes it better. Yeah. Find a group of people that you can do this with, you know, like, and by the way, call your friends, don't FaceTime them, call them. Like Mm -hmm. the power of just hearing a person's voice has such a, it it is the, it is the connection that we are all craving video calls. You're only looking at your own face. Don't pretend you're not. It's impossible (laughs) not to. And like, you need to just call your friends and stare at your ceiling. Like you did in in high school, even though probably some of your listeners like had cell phones in high school, but we didn't in, in the year 2001. So <laughs> yeah, just no. call people, just call people. I agree. Everybody's, everybody's around, everybody's home, everybody's by their phone. Um, definitely call. <laughs> yeah. I know Gen Z's like, I don't do phone calls. Oh, I don't call. You're not too good for the phone. Okay. You're not too cool for the phone the phone is fine. Yeah. No, I've been wanting to call people lately. Like I've been literally going out of my way to, you know, I'm texting people and I say, Hey, like, why don't we just, if we're texting all this time, why don't we just hop on a call? Like I literally, you can, you can exchange 95 text messages or you can talk for 15 minutes. And afterwards I promise you, you will feel better. You mm-hmm. will feel better. Call a friend or an aunt or a cousin, whoever you have, just call somebody talk for like five or 10 minutes, as long as you want. I know you'll talk longer than that. You'll feel better. Agreed. Or listen to a podcast and listen to other people talk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But also make a phone call. Yes. (laughs) All right, Nora, thank you so much. It was so great having you on. Thank you, Catherine. All right, guys, how amazing is Nora? For any of you that were not familiar with Nora's story and the work she's done, I hope that you enjoyed hearing from her and continue to follow along with her journey on social media and the conversations she's having on her podcast, Terrible Thanks for Asking. Everything is listed in the episode description, so you can go check it out. Thank you to Nora so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.